Hello, and welcome to Power Pros Podcast, episode 195. I'm your host, the Hoff, Chris Hoffman, and with me is my co-host and nemesis, the man who has been packing beards into balloons, Pete Mashad. 195, really? Yep, we're up to episode 195, getting close to the big 200. Yes, indeed. Wow. And we are back once again to talk about what is going on in the world of Nintendo. That means some game impressions, some news, and then this episode's big topic, which is our Super Mario Brothers 35th anniversary preview. It actually happens later this year, but this is a preview of that. A preview extravaganza. <laughs> I don't know if I would go that far, but at any rate, before we get to that, we're going to kick things off with some game impressions, starting with a very quirky, strange little game that came out on Nintendo Switch on April 1st, and that is Cat Girl Without Salad, Amuse-Bouche. And if you are asking yourself, what the heck is that? Well, it is an utterly ridiculous side-scrolling shooter from WayForward. So, of course, here's my disclaimer. Yes, I work for WayForward, so I might be just a little bit biased when it comes to this game. <laughs> you corporate shrill. But, you know, I would like to think that even if I didn't work there, I would still be enjoying this game quite a bit. Because, you know, if the title doesn't give it away, this game is absolutely 100% absurd. You know, it was originally announced, and I say announced very loosely, in 2013 as an April Fool's joke. It was supposed to be this game that combines all genres of games into one single title that could be all things to all people, which of course is impossible, but you know, nonetheless, that's what the joke was. And despite that, WayForward actually went ahead and released the game on PC a few years later, although maybe not exactly in the form it was initially presented. <laughs> and now, this past April Fool's Day, it was released on console on Switch for the very first time. And, you know, I don't mind saying, as a company employee, I am really glad it wasn't spoiled. It seems like, you know, everything leaks these days. Somehow we actually managed to keep it under wraps until April 1st. I thought that was pretty cool. It arrived as a big surprise, so I am personally pretty stoked about that fact. Yeah, it's probably one of the more memorable April Fool's surprises in recent memory. Yeah, like we say, the best April Fool's jokes are the ones that are real. <laughs> when I first saw it, I was like, there's no way that's real, and then there it was in the eShop. <laughs> yep. Yes, indeed it is. So yeah, you know, what is this game all about? It's basically a classic style 2D side-scrolling shooter, and you play as this cat girl bounty hunter named Kabako, and basically she is an idiot. <laughs> Just like a total idiot. Like everything she says is stupid, but it's hilariously stupid. And if I may say so, that's like half the charm of the game. Like her and her companion Squiddy are just constantly talking the whole time the action is going on. It doesn't interrupt the gameplay at all. And in my opinion, it is pretty darn funny. Yeah, it's definitely witty banter. And it gets funny because you start to play against some of like the you know people in her life. Like <laughs> yeah. uh, ex-boyfriend and like a chef she might have worked for or something. <laughs> yes, yes. And she's just kind of oblivious to all this stuff that she's done. And, you know, she's probably a pretty horrible character, it seems like, from what she's done to these people. But, you know, it's still all fun. And, you know, where else are you going to play a game where they're talking about a rhino butt eclair with earwax frosting? You know, nowhere. That's where. Right. It's like uh, along the lines of the uh, sandwich with the mustard of your doom sort of thing. 
<laughs> yeah, something. But, you know, even though I've heard all of this before, I've heard it multiple times, there are still certain parts of it that make me laugh out loud. And, uh, you know, maybe I'm just crazy or, you know, maybe it really is uh, enjoyable. Do you really, LOL? <laughs> I did. I did indeed. Hmm. Uh, but then the other part of the charm, aside from its really absurd sense of humor, is this whole genre mashup thing, which takes the form of weapon power-ups. So, you know, typically you're just flying through space, you're blasting enemies with your pea shooter, but then you collect these game cartridges. They look like old Famicom cartridges, and each one gives you a weapon based on another game genre, like the sports gun, the RPG gun, the dance gun, and so on. Yeah, and when you said pea shooter, you're not lying. It actually is called the pea shooter. Yes, and it shoots out little green dots, which I assume are peas. <laughs> I thought so too. But yeah, specifically, you get the RPG gun that lets you use like a gun blade from Final Fantasy VIII. You can toss magic spells, cast a healing spell. You can even run from battle. There's this little menu that pops up and you actually press the buttons to scroll through the menu and use whatever command you want. Then there's also the puzzle gun, which lets you shoot out colored balls like in Bust a Move. And if you match three of the same color, it causes a screen clearing explosion. <laughs> <laughs> the dance gun sends out a stream of arrows that scroll across the screen, and if you hit the correct button input as the arrow passes by, you'll fire off some really powerful shots. If you mess up, then your shot just kind of is really small and goes haywire off into nowhere. The platform gun shoots out this little dude in overalls who <laughs> animates and runs and jumps pretty much exactly like Mega Man. You can make <laughs> him jump and double jump and triple jump off of enemies' heads by pressing the attack buttons. And, you know, if you pounce on their heads, of course, it inflicts more damage on the enemies. And then there's the sports gun, which activates this little golf game that lets you just sort of launch golf balls all over the place and they ricochet all over the screen. And then last but not least is the arcade gun, which sends out this spherical pink guy that is definitely not Pac-Man, but he's like, you know, waka, 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 and chomping across the screen. And by pressing the different face buttons, you can make him move up, down, left, or right, and, uh, you know, chomp into all the enemies that are around. And that is by far my favorite. Yeah, I was going to say, I think for me too, that was like my absolute favorite. Very nice, very nice. So, yeah, the weapons are pretty gimmicky. They're sometimes kind of hard to use, but I think they're still pretty fun and entertaining for what they are. You know, there's some that are definitely more effective than others. I think that the bust-a-move gun, I was definitely confused by how to use it. It can unleash a lot of damage there if you're able to match up those three bubbles. Yeah, now that you've told me that, I kind of want to go back and try it. But uh, I will say, I hate that like, the first time you get hit, then you lose your power. Because <laughs> uh, especially <laughs> during a boss, I feel like I got hit like in the first five seconds after I'd get my power up and be like, oh, no. Yeah, it was kind of unfortunate the first time you use it. Like, all right, new weapon. Oh, then you lose it instantly. That yeah. uh, does kind of blow. However, if you beat the game, you can unlock a weapon mode where you permanently have all the weapons. You can just cycle through whichever one you want and use it freely. Ah, reason to beat it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then the other, other part of the charm of this game is those boss fights you were talking about, <laughs> which are all multi-part pattern-heavy battles with their own ridiculous dialogue and stories that unfold. Like you were saying, Kebiko has a relationship with all of the enemies she goes after, and of course, you know, it's all completely ludicrous and <laughs> has this insane banter back and forth. And the second boss, particularly, the chef, you know, that battle takes place in the RPG galaxy. His name is Shefanoff. Obviously, it is a parody of Sephiroth, for crying out loud. You know, Final Fantasy VII Remake just came out on other consoles. So, <laughs> really, that could not be more time. It even has this, you know, operatic, you know, Shefanoff music playing in the background. So, 
Yeah, it's just another thing that, uh, you know, really just kind of cracks me up. I was going to say, is there any relation between you and Shefanoff? <laughs> uh, well, that would be uh, Uh Not exactly the same thing, <laughs> but uh, very similar, yes. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But anyway, you take all those elements, you add them up, and in my opinion, you get a shooter that's you know a whole lot of fun, charming, wacky, hilarious, ridiculous. Um, you know, the negative side is though it is really short. Like it's only three levels long, and you can get through the whole game in under an hour. You know, I will say this is not like you know a bullet hell shooter. The difficulty is very reasonable. You have a life meter. You can take a lot of hits. You know, on the one hand. You know, it makes it easy to regain health. It makes it accessible for someone who's not even necessarily a big shooter fan. They can still enjoy it without too much trouble. It also means, you know, you will probably be able to, you know, play through it in uh, a single try if you're uh, even just you know, a little bit experienced with games. <laughs> yeah, and to be fair, it seems like one of those games where you really want to just play and get the high score. There is some incentive. You know, if you die, you lose some of your points. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there is some incentive and some replayability. Like if you really wanted to like sink your teeth in and see what you could do as far as, you know, score in this game. I, I feel like there is some replayability there. Yeah, I mean, that's my feeling as well. It is short and sweet, but it's short and sweet enough that I will just want to go back to it and play through it just because it is fun and funny and charming. And, you know, it's not something I'm going to play for a super long term but it's like hey i just want to get you know 15 minutes of fun i'll go back and play just a single stage and laugh a few jokes and you know maybe i won't go back and play it for a few more weeks but you know i do really like what's there and it does have a price that's very much commensurate with its short length being only eight dollars yeah it definitely kind of puts itself in like that category of like you know if you're interested in seeing a game that has a lot of weird quirkiness to offer yeah i don't think you'd be disappointed Yes, I would tend to agree. Obviously, I am a little bit biased, and sure, you're not going to get, like, you know, the next Dragon Quest or Smash Brothers or anything, <laughs> but I think that, you know, what it does, it does really well, and I do think you will get your money's worth for this bargain-priced release. And just to let the record show, uh, Hoffman has uh, tortured me to say this, so... How dare you? How dare you, Pete? <laughs> Man, don't I wish. I'm only kidding. Don't you. I wish. <laughs> it's actually really fun. Awesome. Glad to hear you say that, Pete. Now let us move along to another game I have been playing on Switch, and that is Cooking Mama Cookstar, which is published by Plant Entertainment, developed by First Playable Productions, and licensed by the folks over in Japan at Office Create. Now, Pete, have you been following all the drama surrounding this game? (laughs) Only by way of you, Hoff. (laughs) Well, you may recall that we first discussed this game several months back. Mm -hmm. It was back in episode 179 when it was known as Cooking Mama, Coming Home to Mama. (laughs) I remember at that point you being very confused by what exactly it was. Well, I was because the initial press release touted these blockchain features and they really didn't make any sense in the context of really any game, let alone Cookie Mama. So I'm like, <laughs> you know, what's that all about? And is this even the same game we're getting now? And yes, it was. So there was that. And then, as if that part weren't weird enough, the game came out a couple weeks ago on Switch. And then after just a couple hours, it totally disappeared. It was pulled from the eShop, and then it started disappearing in physical form off of every major retail site around. Like, it was on Amazon, but poof, now it's gone. It was on Walmart, and then it's gone. And the game basically ceased to exist. 
And then, like, all these rumors started flying, like, you know, what was wrong with this game? Why did it get pulled? Is it secretly mining Bitcoin? <laughs> Does it brick your Switch? Like, there was all kinds of crazy rumors out there. You know, like, did Office Create declare the game to be a pile of crap and they got <laughs> Nintendo to pull it from the eShop? You know, we might never know, but what I do know is that I got the game and I have been playing it. And it does not actually have any of that ridiculous blockchain stuff in there. And in fact, it actually seems like a pretty normal Cookie Mama game from what I have played so far. You know, that means lots of food recipes, lots of mini games, and lots of gameplay actions that mimic real world cooking activities. <laughs> That's a lot of backstory for a Cooking Mama game, I think. Yes, yes it is. You Like they say, save the drama for your mama. They definitely <laughs> did in this case. Well played. But yeah, when it comes to the gameplay itself, the game is supposed to have around 80 recipes. I've only unlocked maybe 20 so far, and these include staples such as grilled cheese and hamburgers, as well as lamb gyros, some mochi, nacho fried chicken. Excellent, excellent. Seafood curry, avocado toast, fried fish, pork dumplings, fruit smoothies, chili con carne. And like in previous Cookie Mama installments, for each recipe you play a series of mini-games that mimic actual food preparation. Like you actually use the Joy-Con motion controls along with the joystick and buttons to you know, go through the steps to prepare these foods. And in a way, it kind of feels like a Wii game, you know, for better or for worse. You know, a lot of... Switch games don't really use those Joy-Con motions, so I was kind of pleased to see, oh, they're actually taking full advantage of this and making it, you know, sort of like a traditional Cookie Mama game in that respect, you know? Yeah, I mean, the only thing I have to add to that is that it seems weird that it's been, you know, what? I don't know how many years, but well over five years that a Cookie Mama game has come out, and if it's basically the same formula, what took so long? Well, I mean, there were Cookie Mama games on the 3DS. I actually forget if I even played them or not. I <laughs> probably have, but uh, I can't say for sure. Uh, and yeah, it is basically just that same formula translated over to Switch. However, I will point out, in addition to these motion controls, it actually can be played with just traditional button and joystick controls. You know, that's how it's played if you're playing the game in handheld mode. That's how it's played if you're using a pro controller. And in those cases, the joystick movements just replace your motion controls. Well, that's good because uh, there's a lot of Switch Lite owners now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, you know, you're just doing stuff like, you know, thrusting the Joy-Con back and forth to cut bread, swinging the Joy-Con down to crush garlic, waggling the Joy-Con from side to side to coat drumsticks and breading, tilting your Joy-Con around to coat a pan with butter, shaking the Joy-Con to grate cheese, you know, lightly swinging the Joy-Con to crack an egg and then pressing the A button to break it open, spinning the Joy-Con to grind meat, peeling potatoes while moving the Joy-Con up and down, and then sometimes you're just like following on-screen button prompts to approximate actions like uh, frying or putting things in the oven. I think I get it now. I think Cooking Mama is your happy place. <laughs> well, as you know, I did do a lot of cooking games when uh, we were working at Nintendo Power together, as you may recall. <laughs> I certainly do. Once you've made each meal in this game, after that you get to decorate it and then display it and then you know share it on fake social media, after which the audience rates it, and that's how they tell up your score in this game, although it is you know purely just based on your performance in the mini-games. I would say the motion controls are surprisingly effective. You know, I did lose calibration a couple of times, but it wasn't the end of the world. 
The traditional controls were not bad either, and sometimes they made the minigames easier, sometimes they made it harder, although I have to admit, not actually mimicking the physical cooking motions does take away some of the inherent fun of Cooking Mama, but you know, either way, the control options are solid. I was disappointed that, once again, game progression is just a series of individual recipes without an arcade mode or a career mode, and I've basically been making that complaint ever since the very first game of the series <laughs> came out, to no avail. Yeah, again, it feels weird that they just continue to make this game and expect people to buy it, but whatever. Right, right. Who am I to judge? You know, each successful recipe you complete just simply unlocks a new recipe. The graphics aren't really a step up either. In fact, I would say they are kind of meh. Other than being HD, it kind of looks exactly like the game looked on the Wii or how it could have looked on GameCube, you know. However, with that said, it still does look and sound very much like a Cooking Mama game. Uh, and speaking of the sounds, one thing that does annoy me a little bit is if you just leave the game sitting on the menu screen, haha, <laughs> menu screen, get it? Uh, <laughs> Mama will start nagging you. She'll be like, hurry up, come on, I'm getting hungry. I'm like, come on, Mama, I'm trying to take notes here. What are you doing? Stop yelling at me. Leave me alone, Mama. Jeez. And then your mom felt bad? <laughs> your mom IRL she was not around no, okay, good. in addition to the regular recipes you can play through in the game there are also two player game modes and a vegetarian mode vegetarian mode is like a slightly modified version of the existing recipes like instead of the lamb gyro there's a chickpea gyro and instead of the hamburger and fries you get a black bean burger and fries and you know, the mini games change accordingly so like with the hamburger instead of grinding meat instead you mix up this bean and corn mix but other than that it really doesn't change things too much sounds delicious as for the two-player mode, it's a collection of 10 mini-games, 8 verses, and 2 co-op, like a chopping contest, or a pizza dough spinning contest, or like collaboratively smashing up mochi. It's fine, but it's nothing special. And in fact, that's kind of what I would say about this game overall. It is completely competent, but uh, you know nothing amazing. Given all the commotion about it, about the way it disappeared from the eShop, the way it got pulled... I was, like, expecting a literal flaming disaster. But, uh, no, you know, the game isn't broken. It doesn't have long load times. It doesn't have any bugs I encountered. It does not make my Switch burst into flames. It's not great, but, you know, there's nothing that I see in this game that would make Nintendo pull it from the eShop that I experienced. It just played, you know, like Cookie Mama would play on Switch, you know, as you'd imagine. You know, it's really no better or worse than recent past installments and uh, heck you know it almost feels like the controversy could just been some crazy marketing scheme to get people talking because if that was the case hey it worked on me i guess <laughs> you know i was just gonna say that I, it does kind of feel like maybe that was an attempt to try it but i was actually just reading like their twitter <laughs> and yeah they're like downplaying all these like weird rumors that are swirling around uh who knows yeah, if it weren't for that, I don't know if I would have been like, okay, I have to see what this game is all about. But, you know, I did, and, you know, it's totally fine. So, yes, if you're looking for Cooking Mama on Switch, that's what you get here. No more, no less. But I will say that just as we're finishing this recording, things got even weirder as the official Cooking Mama Twitter declared this game to be unauthorized. This story just keeps getting crazier and crazier. <laughs> now, would you consider yourself a cook star? <laughs> Uh, not yet. Maybe if I have another 60 more recipes under my belt, I will be a cook star. But, uh, you know, I'm getting there. I'm definitely getting there. <laughs> I'm not even sure what a cook star is, but okay. <laughs> I don't know, but it sounds good, doesn't it? It does. 
Anyway, that's all we have for Game Impressions this week. Let us move along to a little bit of news. The first item in this week's news is that we have an update on Story of Seasons, Friends of Mineral Town from Xseed. As we have probably discussed before, this is a remake of Harvest Moon, Friends of Mineral Town, which was released on the Game Boy Advance back in 2003. And we already knew this game was coming to North America, but now it finally has a release window, that being this summer. Not exactly sure when this summer, but at least we have a bit of a time frame. And what sticks out in particular on this one? Well, from what I have heard, this was always supposed to be a great entry in the series back when it was released in GBA form. In this title, you play some youngster whose grandfather has passed away, leaving you his farm in Mineral Town. And so you have to move there and revive the land, restore the fields. You know, you make friends with the locals. Then you do all of the usual Harvest Moon activities like growing crops, raising animals, going fishing, mining for ore. You can ride and race horses, uh, maybe even meet that special someone and get married. And in the Switch version of the game, Exceed is promising modernized controls and gameplay. It definitely has updated 3D graphics, and they're saying there will also be other new characters and features. You know, there are festivals, there are animal competitions, and, you know, for me, most importantly, Pete, you can now have a pet capybara. No. So, obviously, I'll be getting it just for that feature alone. Shut your dang mouth. (laughs) It's true. It's true, I tell you. Wow. Yep, definitely looking forward to that one. I guess I am too now. (laughs) All right, capybaras for everybody. And another game I'm looking forward to is Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel 4, which NIS America has announced is coming to Switch next year, 2021. Now, Pete, as you might be aware, Part 3 isn't even out on Switch yet. (laughs) I was going to say, I'll bite. What's interesting about this one? Well... The Trails of Cold Steel games, and really the Legend of Heroes saga as a whole, is just a really good, solid, and fairly traditional Japanese RPG series. You know, Trails of Cold Steel, obviously, it's got the fourth installment. It is this big multi-part epic starring the character of Reen Schwarzer, who is this uh, student-turned-instructor-turned-war hero. And, you know... Even though Part 3 isn't out yet, I'm really glad to hear that Part 4 is coming because it's really just, you know, one really big epic game split into two big parts. You know, probably each game is probably, you know, 60 hours of gameplay or something like that, judging from the first two parts. That would be my guess. But uh, this time, Mr. Schwarzer has gone missing. So even though you are trying to find out what has happened to him, the game is still a fairly traditional turn-based Japanese RPG. They're promising it's going to have the largest roster in the series. And, you know, the Cold Steel games are actually, like I said, you know, part of this much larger franchise that can have some really diverse and large cast of characters. They're also promising new combat abilities, including the ability to summon mechs into battle and utilize new powers known as Lost Arts. Plus, lots of stuff outside of combat is going to be included, like fishing games card games puzzle games something called the horror coaster i don't know what that's all about but it certainly sounds interesting you know i'm going to withhold some of my enthusiasm for this until part three does come out which is scheduled for north american switch at the end of june or maybe sometime this summer but given how much i did enjoy playing through parts one and two on other hardware i have to say i am pretty excited about this news well it does have one of the coolest names of a game i've ever heard (laughs) that it does and you know if you are really into it like i am you might be interested in picking up the physical frontline edition 
It uh, is not cheap, but includes the game, a soundtrack CD, an art book, a steelbook case, a cloth poster, and seven art cards, all in a collector's box for a cool $100. Wow. Now, I have no idea what Trails of Cold Steel means, but I do know the sound it makes when it takes a man's life. (laughs) I think it might be referring to trains, or is it (laughs) referring to swords? I don't really know, to be honest. Maybe it's both. The swords, I think, is kind of where my head goes, but yeah, you could be right with the trains, too. Oh, I thought you were into people getting run over by trains or something. (laughs) Curiouser and curiouser. One other thing I wanted to touch on in the news this episode is that there is more information out there about the Lego Super Mario toys. You know, we already knew that there was this Lego Super Mario starter course coming out. And, you know, as we saw when that was announced, whatever it was, you know, a month or two ago, it's basically this simple series of paths and pipes. And, you know, as the Lego company explains it, Lego Mario is used to collect virtual coins as he runs and jumps from the start pipe to the goal pole via Lego bricks, cloud platforms, and clashes with the Goomba figure and Bowser Jr. figure. I feel like you're still not buying it. <laughs> well, yeah, I have to say I'm probably not. After, you know, seeing how simple the builds are, it just really didn't catch my attention, and the new information that we have learned isn't really pushing me any further in that direction. Now, one thing that is cool and definitely has inspired people to get on board with this thing really quick is the early adopters actually get a free bonus expansion, Monty Mole and Super Mushroom set, which is an additional 163 pieces. But, you know, overall, the price on this is pretty steep, even for Legos. I mean, you know that Lego isn't exactly a cheap toy to purchase. It's usually like, you know, 10 cents per brick on average. So, you know, a 100-piece set is like $10 or a 2,000-piece set you know, it was maybe $200, but the starter set for Mario is only 231 pieces, which in my head is like, okay, maybe that would cost about $25, the typical rate, but no, it is 60 bucks, which seems awfully steep to me. I mean, even accounting for the expansion set, that's only 400 pieces. So I guess the upcharge is either because of the Nintendo licensing fee or because of the electrical components that make it you know interactive and like a video game. But still, that does seem like a pretty pricey proposition, even for Legos. Yeah, I think it's tough. I think, you know, you kind of mentioned this before, but I think the average person maybe would just want a Mario level set doesn't have to have any bells and whistles. Well, I just want something that looks cool, really. Right. And this seems like it's just trying to do something different. So I guess for me personally, I think I have to kind of wait and see what they do with it. If it actually is kind of fun to play or if it is totally a baby game for babies. (laughs) I'm excited to see how it turns out. But yeah, I mean, I think there's still room for um, just a normal set with no special electronic Mario or anything. But it could be cool. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I'm still hoping they will do something like that. I would love to get like a big fancy Peach's Castle or a Bowser's Castle. But here's the thing. They've actually already announced some additional interactive sets for this, including a Bowser's Castle. So the two new sets are the Piranha Plant Power Slide set for $30, <laughs> which is like this little desert-themed green track with a piranha plant seesaw and a little brown crate that slides between these two enemies. And then there's this Bowser's Castle boss battle, and that is a whopping 100 bucks. But again, it's not really like a full castle like I would expect. It's sort of just this castle facade. It has some towers and some lava pits. 
Of course, there is Bowser himself and like this big Bowser statue, but still, it's just these little bits and pieces of a castle. It's not the full-fledged castle I would want or I would expect. So, you know, it's like, okay, there's that castle I've been waiting for, but oh, I'm still kind of disappointed. You know, it's still got this skimpy build, a high price, but uh, you know, that really doesn't matter in some respects because this stuff is already a hit. Like, they put up pre-orders for the starter set with the bonus expansion. It pretty much sold out immediately, you know? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's still room in the marketplace for both, but it looks like this is what we're getting for now. Yeah, it's supposed to be hitting on August 1st. You know, maybe I will see it in person and be like, oh, I really wish I had bought that. But uh, yeah, right now it's already sold out. It's already successful. So I don't know. Maybe they don't have any reason to change track. Maybe I'm in the minority here. But um, for those who are looking forward to it, it is coming out later this summer. Well, it's not an Amiibo, but... (laughs) No, no, it's not. (laughs) And that's all we've got for the news for this episode. So I think it is time for us to take an intermission... And then when we come back, we will discuss this week's big topic, which is... Mm. Pardon, Pete? Excuse me? Yes, is there a problem? Well, yeah. Is there more news? No. Then what's going on? You know what time it is. It's time for Hassle the Hoth. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay, well, let's just go ahead and get this over with then. What do you got for me this week, Pete? All right. Dear Video Game Professor Hoth, I feel like I already hassled you this week in Animal Crossing. (laughs) Would you like to tell the listeners about our experience together? Hmm, that's definitely the strangest hassle the Hoff question that you've come up with so far, possibly. I'm not even sure it really counts as a question. But, uh, yes, it is true. You did indeed hassle me over Animal Crossing. I can't believe that after that, I even still picked you to be my best nemesis in the game. (laughs) But, yeah... You invited me over to your island, I arrived, and first of all, I'm pretty creeped out because you made a portrait of me in a sprite form, just staring at me right in the face, <laughs> and then you put up brick walls all around the front of your airport, and if that wasn't bad enough, you were in there with me. <laughs> so it was just the two of us there, surrounded by brick walls and a portrait of myself, you know, since you made the walls and you were stuck inside them, you couldn't, like, tear down the walls and leave either. So just the two of us <laughs> trapped in there, it's like my worst nightmare come to life in video game form, you know? Yeah, you know, it's really sad. I did that right before you got there. I had, like, some wall that I just put, like, down on the beach because uh, I didn't have anything else to do with it. And I wanted... Yeah, I don't think I've even seen those walls yet. And I wanted the room in my inventory. So, anyways, I collected that really quickly off the beach. And then I made this little perimeter very small just to lock yes, lock yes, you in because I was afraid you you know grief me somehow. <laughs> so I did that thinking that I could like take down the wall myself and put it back up when you were in there, but it didn't work like that. We both came out of the little <laughs> building together, and yeah, we were both trapped. So ah well, you got what you had coming to you, didn't you? Yeah, I feel like I did, but uh, at least you were surprised <laughs> by my uh, you know artistic capability. Yes, I assume you typically use it as a dartboard. <laughs> have you posted any pictures of that on uh, Twitter? Uh, no, no, I don't believe I have, but I did take a screenshot of it. So even though I managed to successfully escape your island unscathed, I will be continuously scarred by the memories. <laughs> well, you did give me a mustache, and I thank you for that. 
Yeah, I gave you a mustache. I gave you some apples. And what thanks do I get for it? Trapped in your island, just surrounded by brick walls. <laughs> now, what did I give you? Like a hamster cage? Uh, yes. Yes, you did. You gave me a hamster cage. But uh, yeah, I imagine that you know somewhere on your island you are building up like a whole facial hair museum. That's what I'm expecting. And I'll probably go into some wing of your house and just like nothing but beards and beards and beards and more beards. I was disappointed I was unable to bypass the brick walls and see that for myself. But uh, oh well, I guess there's next time. And now that we've become best nemies, I actually can dig up your island and chop down all your trees. So I'm looking forward to that day when it comes. <laughs> Please, God help. <laughs> anyway, I wouldn't say I exactly answered the question, but hopefully that covered the topic well enough for your purposes. Well, I just want to make sure that the fans know that you were properly hassled this week. Yes, I definitely, definitely really was. <laughs> All right, then. I believe it is time for us to take our intermission then, and when we come back, we will discuss this week's big topic, the Super Mario 35th Anniversary Preview. All right, we are back, and we are ready to discuss this week's big topic, which is the Super Mario Brothers 35th Anniversary Preview. Super Mario Brothers will be celebrating that landmark anniversary this fall, but there have been a lot of rumors circulating recently as to exactly how Nintendo might be celebrating that special occasion. Specifically, there are rumors out there that we're going to get some HD remakes of some classic 3D Mario titles, as well as some other games to commemorate the occasion. Yeah, the rumor mill is certainly churning on this one. Yeah, and the stuff that's rumored sounds very, very promising. These rumors include HD remakes of Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario Galaxy, which are all fantastic titles in their own right. Then, in addition to that, there is supposed to be a port of the Wii U game, Super Mario 3D World, which is, you know, like literally one of three worthwhile games that hasn't been ported to Switch yet. And there's supposed to be a Paper Mario game of some sort, most likely a sequel, that will also be roped into this 35th anniversary celebration. And personally, I would say there is a very good chance that a lot of these rumors could very well indeed be true. But Pete, what do you think about these? And you know, if they were to come true, what would you be most excited about? And what are you hoping for? <laughs> well, I mean, I think for me, obviously, the idea of being able to play just, you know, the lion's share of 3D Marios on the Switch is a very compelling possibility. Yeah, for sure. 
Should be a lot of fun. Yeah, and then, you know, this rumor coming out now, especially the 35th anniversary, you know, Nintendo did the year of Luigi. This kind of feels to me like almost like the year of Mario. Well, I mean, year of Super Mario, yeah, for sure. Right, so I think for me, the one that really feels like it's been looked over for the last few decades is Super Mario 64. Oh, I know that's certainly a favorite of yours. Yeah, now, of course, we've had a port on the uh, Nintendo DS. That's right. Which has now been a very long time since that came out. Right, more than 15 years, I think. Yeah, and truth be told, I don't think that port did it very good justice. You know, there was like a four-player mode. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were multiple playable characters. You actually starred as Yoshi, as I recall. There were a lot of mini-games. Right, but the uh, Nintendo DS lacked an analog stick. (laughs) Right, and it came with that weird little thumb strap, like, play it with the touchscreen. It just really (laughs) was not adequate. But, you know, that's what I'm hoping for. Ideally, I would like to see all those features from the DS game incorporated into this HD remake version. So it's not just an HDified port of Super Mario 64, but actually adds in all that extra content that until now has only been relegated to the DS. Oh yeah, if there could somehow be like, you know, a four-player, multiplayer, co-op, Super Mario 64, man, that would be something pretty awesome, I think. Yeah, but you know, like you were implying, you know, Super Mario 64 is like, you know, perhaps the most influential 3D game, definitely the most influential 3D platformer of all time. And, you know, just having that on modern hardware, not having to go back and play it on the N64 or just play a virtual console version would be just, you know, really, really cool in and of itself. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't think I've brought myself to play that game in at least a decade, if not two. So having, you know, the opportunity to play that again in uh, full HD glory. And, you know, I, I would hope Nintendo would do some stuff to kind of clean it up, make it look nice. Right, right. You know, just the prospect of that is pretty exciting to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping it's not just a quick and dirty HD port. Here's, you know, some spiffier graphics. I really like to see them, you know, touch up a lot of things. As much as the camera was kind of groundbreaking back in the day, <laughs> I feel like it really doesn't hold up very well. No. I'd love to see just, you know, free camera control a lot smoother and easier to use compared to the original. And, you know, will that be in there? I don't know, but I think it would be a fantastic addition. I would certainly applaud its inclusion if that were to happen. Yeah, totally. I mean, it was designed with the C buttons in mind. Right. (laughs) Obviously, there's no more C buttons. So would love to see how they uh, tackle that this time around. Yep, yep. But uh, still, the prospect of playing through Mario's first 3D adventure once again, you know, fighting Bowser, grabbing him by the tail, (laughs) throwing him all over the place. Yeah, lots of fun to be had there. I've not played that one in a long time either. And it would be great to have that on Switch. Yeah, for sure. Then, you know, Super Mario Sunshine, that's a game I've always liked. It's sort of been, you know, like the odd man out, the black sheep in the Mario series. Because, you know, the play mechanics are so different. You know, you have Flood... And you use that to spray away gunk, you use it for all sorts of other abilities, and it really did not feel like your traditional Mario platformer, but still, I thought it was a pretty fun game in and of itself, even if it was a bit atypical for the franchise. 
Yeah, I mean, Super Mario Sunshine is definitely fun in its own right. I think you're right. I think it does get that sort of, you know, the negative connotation of being sort of like (laughs) the black sheep, the Zelda 2 of the Mario universe. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing is that this was the next 3D Mario after Mario 64. And everyone's like, okay, this is basically Super Mario 64 Part 2. And it totally wasn't. But there are still a lot of things to really enjoy about the game. Totally. And then, you know, it didn't help that it had a pretty terrible marketing campaign behind it, the whole... Clean is better than dirty. <laughs> dirty is better than clean. If you haven't seen that, go Google it right now and watch it on YouTube. I guess I'll have to do that. I really don't remember that. One thing I do remember, though, that kind of annoyed me about the game is there was one part where I got so completely stuck. I think it was like the last mission in the second area. And I was like stuck trying to complete that level for hours because... The first time I went there, it was literally impossible to complete. You can't do it until you've unlocked Yoshi. (laughs) And I didn't have Yoshi at the time. And that was just such a weird design choice. So un-Nintendo-like to let you enter the level and not tell you, hey, you can't beat this now. Come back later. It was just so frustrating. So, you know, that's really the only thing I would like to see them fix up aside from the HD graphics is, you know, maybe fix up little things like that that uh, just make it a little more uh, user-friendly, you know? Yeah, it's funny, you know, looking back now at that game, I do have like a slight desire to play it again. I thought the soundtrack stuck out pretty well. You know, it kind of has that like Calypso feel to it. Mario themes with like an island vibe. Yep, yep. And then, uh, you know, just the aesthetic in general. Just, you know, now that there's been enough time transpired and I'm not expecting it to be Mario 64 Part 2. Uh-huh, for sure. I think just in general, you have a good point. I think that people will be looking at it from a different lens. And there's probably a lot of people that haven't even ever played the game, considering it was out on GameCube. Yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right. And then after that, we have Super Mario Galaxy, which, you know, to me, that game is, you know, just about as perfect as I think a game can get. It is one of the few games I would ever have personally given a 10 on a traditional rating scale, and it is very possibly my favorite Mario game ever. The one thing I'm curious about is that, you know, presumably it would have some options to not use motion control. You know, that was obviously a required Mm. part of the Wii game. You had to shake that Wii remote to spin. So I'm curious what they'll do for this one. Will it be pro controller compatible with no motion? You know, if you're playing in handheld mode, I would think you wouldn't have to, you know, shake your switch light to be able to spin. Yeah. Uh, So we'll see how that all unfolds. I I think it would be fine with a button press, and I hope that's what they do. But I'll be curious to see what they do to make it transition over to Switch. Yeah, Galaxy for sure, you know, it's right up there with uh, some of the best 3D Marios, as you mentioned. It is weird to me. I don't want to like harp on this too much, but I, it makes me curious why Galaxy is included, but Galaxy 2 is not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully Galaxy 2 is as well. That would be great. But if I had to choose between the two, I would go with the first one myself. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. But yeah, it would be unfortunate if they made this collection and Galaxy 2 somehow didn't make the jump. But regardless, Galaxy is a fantastic game in its own right. And yeah, I do wonder how they will handle the motion controls. But that game was very pretty on the Wii. Probably, in my opinion, one of the prettiest games on the Wii. For sure. So definitely excited to see how that jumps to the Switch. Yeah, absolutely. And you bring up an interesting point. We don't really know if these games are intended to be sold separately or they will be combined into a collection or not. Either way, though, it's all a very exciting proposition. Yeah, I think I saw somewhere, I mean, maybe I'm making this up, but it said, you know, Mario All-Stars 
part two, which uh, when you think about it that way, it's kind of cool. Like, you know, the Super Mario All-Stars obviously was the uh, collection of all the 2D Mario games that came out. Yep, back in the 8-bit days on the NES and Famicom. Mm -hmm. Right, and then, so this kind of, to me, would make sense to be sort of the spiritual successor to that and sort of a 3D Mario wrap-up. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see how they present this, if there's, like, some menu that we've never seen before also. Like, just anything that Nintendo can add to it, I think, will be an interesting key component to however they decide to release these. Yeah, for sure. As for Super Mario 3D World, it doesn't sound like there's going to be a whole lot of new additions to that version. As I said, it's you know one of the last standout games from Wii U that has not made the jump over to Switch. So I'm like, okay, let's get this one on board too. <laughs> and I feel like that game's a little bit underrated. I thought it was a really, really, really fun and well-made game. So I will completely welcome its presence on Switch. But uh, yeah, I feel like it maybe deserves just a little bit more respect than it gets. Yeah, for sure. And I think... You know, again, if there is this collection, it makes me wonder if this will be part of it or if it'll be treated as its own because it isn't that old. I think it'll be separate, yeah. Yeah, it does feel like it would sort of have its own draw. Yeah, I think it's new enough that it could be marketed as, you know, just a you know port of a modern game that not enough people played rather than, oh, here's a bunch of, you know, 10 plus year old 3D Marios getting ported into HD and, you know, brought out either individually or in the collection. So, yeah, I can see them doing that for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't even think they would need to add anything to this one. I think you could pretty much release it as is, as a port, and I would probably buy it. Unfortunately, of course, they have to take out the Miiverse functionality, but other than that, yeah, I think a straight port would pretty much do the job perfectly. Mm -hmm. And then, as for, you know, this Paper Mario game that's supposed to be in production, would you prefer that it's like a HD remake or an enhanced version of a classic like Thousand Year Door? Would you rather have a brand new Paper Mario game come out? You know, I think I would probably prefer a brand new. I feel like Paper Mario has now become weirdly silently this like mainstay on every console since the N64, which is so weird. You know, Mario Kart and Paper Mario are the two things you can count on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's kind of true. There has been one on every console since then you are correct about that so i suppose a new installment would make sense i mean i know a lot of people have been clamoring for a thousand year door as well so it'll be kind of nice to get both but you know i would hope that the game returns more to its rpg roots of the first two installments rather than you know being something kind of wacky and different like on wii u or on 3ds you know yeah and you know just to speak to graphics really quickly i could imagine You know, when you look at like something like Yoshi's Woolly World, the power of the Switch definitely makes the prospect of this new version of Paper Mario just that much sweeter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Color Splash looked fantastic on Wii U. And while I would really want to revisit those play mechanics, I would like to see it, you know, be more of a traditional RPG rather than relying on stickers or whatever for the play mechanics. Yeah, as far as visuals go, yeah, they could totally copy that same style and I would be all over that. Yep, no complaints from me. So, Pete, I have to ask you, you know, while we're talking about these possibilities for the 35th anniversary of this great franchise, you know, if there were going to be other things beyond this, if we could just, you know, think about other cool Mario things Nintendo could produce and the sky's the limit, what else would you like to see for this special occasion? (laughs) Well, this isn't necessarily a brand new edition, but... I would like to see Nintendo potentially port Super Mario 3D Land to the Switch. 
Oh, interesting. You're not content with 3D World, huh? You want to go all in with that uh, series and bring out its predecessor, huh? Well, 3D Land was a really good addition to the Mario universe. It was, it was. And yeah, it just seems like, you know, since the Switch is sort of this hybrid console, and since the 3DS is becoming harder and harder for me to justify bringing on trips with me, <laughs> yeah, I would like to see, yeah, I think the 3D Land especially could use a graphical overhaul and be ported into this, who knows, collection or whatever this is. Yeah, yeah, you know, if they did upgrade it quite a bit, I could see that. I mean, I would be kind of disappointed to be playing that game without the snazzy 3D effect because it had some of the best stereoscopic 3D uh, on that system, I think. Good point. But if they did, you know, make some other graphical improvements to make up for that and did change things around for the areas that kind of relied on those 3D effects, then uh, perhaps it would be a worthwhile addition. Yeah, I could see them doing that with enough upgrades, sure. Yeah, definitely a stretch, but if this is my wish list, that's, <laughs> that's going to be on it. Yeah, sure. Why not? Now, as for me, one that I would like to see happen and that I feel like would be sort of a no-brainer, you know, low-hanging fruit for a big anniversary celebration would be, you know, going all the way back to the roots and reviving the original 8-bit Super Mario Brothers along with its sequels. But, you know, those are already out there on Switch. You can play them on Nintendo Switch Online. So instead of going back to the NES versions, you know, give us the 16-bit Remix, give us Mario All-Stars, put out there on Nintendo Switch Online so we can play those games again. I mean, yes, it was re-released on Wii, you know, 10 years ago, but, uh, you know, I think it's time for us to play that game again on Switch. And, uh, you know, before I think they were being kind of weird about, like, oh, we have to sell this as sort of a full-price game instead of a virtual console release, but now the virtual console is gone and they're just putting this stuff out as a subscription package, I think it would make total sense to bring it out for a Nintendo Switch Online Super NES collection. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, if we're celebrating the 35th anniversary of Super Mario Brothers, you've got to have some version of the original Super Mario Brothers out there. That's what I'm saying. Right, and Super Mario All-Stars is a pretty good collection when you think about it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Although, along those lines, while I'm dreaming up you know things I want to see them do, yeah, I'm kind of thinking to give a couple other Mario games the All-Stars treatment. I mean, you're talking about how this collection of HD remakes could sort of be an All-Stars package. Maybe it's Super Mario 3D All-Stars. What if they went back and revisited Super Mario Land 1 and 2 and gave that a 2D graphical overhaul and sort of turned that into All-Stars versions of those titles? Well, they certainly did it with Link's Awakening. <laughs> that's true, that's true. They could just follow along that same path and give it to us with Mario Land and its sequel. And I think, actually, we talked about that on the show. We were talking about uh, other Game Boy ports we wanted to see come to Switch. So, yeah, that could certainly make that dream come to life. Uh, no Link's Awakening pun intended. <laughs> now, the funny thing is, like, I'm not as familiar with the Mario Land series. Definitely played the first one. I think I played the second one. I love the second one, man. That was one of my favorite games on Game Boy. And then there was a third one, too. Am I thinking of that correctly? Yeah, that was Wario Land. Wario Land is where it took over. So, I mean, they could include that as well. I certainly wouldn't complain, but I feel like that would be going a bit beyond the boundaries of a Super Mario Brothers anniversary celebration. Yeah, at this point, once you've crossed, you know, the 30-year mark, (laughs) I feel like it's all fair game. Like, I'm not mad if they want to port things that are 30 years old to current consoles. Uh, I will buy them, promise. Well, I mean, you got to save something for uh, Wario's big anniversary, whenever that is. So uh, (laughs) who knows? Maybe it'll happen eventually. (laughs) Maybe. Nintendo doesn't seem to like uh, Waluigi so much these days. You know, I was actually just thinking, you know, whether it's for this anniversary or Wario's anniversary or whatever, 
it's time for a Wario and Waluigi game. Maybe it's like Mario and Luigi RPG versus Wario and Waluigi. Maybe you play as like both teams of characters and uh, continue that, uh, you know, dual character control scheme. But, you know, part of the adventure, it's the good guys, Mario and Luigi, and part of it, you're playing as Wario and Waluigi. <laughs> I feel like it is definitely some untapped potential there and we could finally get some respect for uh, Luigi's uh, evil counterpart. Yeah, he really doesn't get a lot of respect these days. <laughs> nope. No, he doesn't. So is there anything else you would hope to see come out of this anniversary celebration? Yeah, the only other thing I could really imagine wanting that's realistic to me is in the Super Mario 64, you know, at the very end of the game, you're able to see Yoshi on the rooftop. Oh, right. And if you get up there, he gives you a big bonus, I believe. Yeah, man, I would really love to have Yoshi be like a, a rideable thing in mario 64 even if it's something that you can only do after you beat the game i don't know just seems like it would be a really fun inclusion it was always kind of a thing that people rumored about back in the original came out just to me seems like something that would be a really fun little like easter egg that could make the game you know totally new and playable to a whole new generation Although, if it did include the features of the DS port, then uh, Yoshi would be a playable character in there for sure. So, yeah, getting that uh, little green fellow in there one way or another would be cool. Yeah, I'm thinking of him more as a mount, but, uh, you know, is a playable character. That's I'm sure they could figure it out. Yeah. Well, there's a couple other things that I would love to see come out of this anniversary as well. And I think this one actually might be a fairly realistic suggestion, that being even more content in Super Mario Maker 2. Now, as to what that could be, you know, I feel like, you know, almost the sky could be the limit now that we have Zelda content in there. But, you know, if we're doing stuff to celebrate the Mario series, you know, I'm thinking like a Yoshi's Island aesthetic would be really cool. Uh, more Super Mario Land influence would be really cool. I mean, I know there is Super Mario Land stuff in there already, but I think they could take it even further and make it a distinct visual style. And then I think one that is obvious to a lot of people, but, you know, maybe not too likely to actually happen, would be some sort of Super Mario Brothers 2, you know, the USA version type of content. You know, like its own special gameplay style where you can actually pick up and throw enemies and, you know, have that uh, completely different set of play mechanics in there and, you know, really get to celebrate that entry in the franchise that so many people in the U.S. really, really enjoyed. Yeah, I could see that being a really awesome addition, especially if I could include Birdo. <laughs> yeah, bring back Birdo, bring back Wart, bring back all of them, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, then in addition to that, you know, maybe some more power-ups, like, you know, bring back the frog suit, maybe bring back Ice Mario with his ice fireballs. Oh, and then another thing I would love to see them add to Mario Maker 2 is, like, a build-your-own-world mode that would let you actually, you know, create, like, a series of levels that you then play through in sequence. And, you know, maybe it's, like, 8 or 10 or 16 levels. So instead of just assembling one level at a time you're like oh here's like an entire mini mario game that you play through from start to finish you know yeah that's a cool idea being able to sort of like make your own world map right right maybe have a theme and all that yep yep i'd love to see all of that in there yeah that would be some pretty awesome additions then i think another good way to celebrate the anniversary and this is probably something pretty simple and i think again has maybe a realistic chance of happening would be to see like mario anniversary stuff show up in animal crossing you know, Animal Crossing is sort of the game of the moment, but I'm sure people are going to be playing it come fall. And, you know, we actually saw them do some of this in 
Animal Crossing Pocket Camp, but, you know, I'd love to see them have, like, Mario floors and wallpapers and objects here in New Horizons, you know. It wouldn't be too much of a stretch since they have had stuff like that in the past games, you know, blocks and little enemies and fire bars and pipes and all that stuff. It's not in there yet, but I was thinking, you know, maybe when the anniversary hits later this year, it would be the perfect opportunity to introduce them into this title. Yeah, you're right. Building any of those things in Animal Crossing would be a hot collectible. I'm just imagining like a warp pipe in your village or like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, even like a question mark block. Anything like that would be. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, it's been done before, so I don't see why it uh, couldn't happen in this one. So, yeah, I think all that stuff would be great and sort of a no brainer. Right. And, you know, the higher fidelity of the graphics for some reason, the more fun it is. I don't know why, but <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And then the last anniversary suggestion that I've got, and Pete, you're probably going to say, oh, I knew he was going to say that, is I would love to see more Super Mario Brothers Amiibo. Amiibo! Ah, yep, yep. You're a one-trick pony, Hoff, but we appreciate (laughs) it. What I want to see is for Nintendo to release another series of Mario Amiibo, sort of in the vein of all those Zelda ones they did a couple years back. So having like all of these different and memorable iterations of Mario. So you know, we'd have Raccoon Mario, we'd have Mario in his cape from Super Mario World, we'd have Hammer Mario and Frog Mario from Mario 3, we'd have Mario with Flood from Super Mario Sunshine, <laughs> we'd have Cat Mario from Super Mario 3D World. You know, while they're at it, they should make a four-pack, you know, with Toad and Peach and Luigi as well, or a five-pack <laughs> with Rosalina in it for that matter. Um, Yeah, we haven't even gotten a regular Super Mario Odyssey Mario where he's wearing Cappy. We just have him in those wedding clothes, and I think that would be a no-brainer as well. So I would just love to see this series of, you know, Mario through the ages Amiibo. I know Amiibo seems like it's kind of dead at the moment, but if there's any character they would revive it for and know it would sell like hotcakes, I would assume it would be Mario. That would be a great chance to get a Mayor Pauline Amiibo as well, by the way. Well, I can't say you're wrong. I feel like all those Amiibo would make sense. It's kind of puzzling that you're right. Like the standard Odyssey one, it doesn't even exist. So yeah, I mean, Smash Brothers definitely breathed some more life into the Amiibo series. And you could almost see the same thing happening with Mario's 35th, for sure. Yeah, heck, I could even see like a a blocky polygon Mario to represent uh, Mario 64, kind of like the pixel Mario they made for, you know, the 8-bit version, you know? (laughs) That would actually be pretty fun. Yeah, that'd be cool. Anyway, it would be great if any of those suggestions came to life. It would be even better if all these rumors are true. I certainly have my fingers crossed, and I'm hoping to be playing HD versions of those classic 3D Mario titles later this year, along with the Paper Mario sequel and the port of Super Mario 3D World. Yeah, that's a lot of Mario stuff, but uh, hey, Mario pretty much always delivers, and I very much look forward to to playing through whatever Nintendo decides to put out to celebrate this landmark anniversary. Yep, that's more Mario than you can shake a stick at, but I'm right on board with you. All right. And with that said, I believe it is time for us to wrap up this week's episode of the podcast. But of course, before we do so, we have time for one more thing, and that is a dramatic reading. I feel like it's going to be a good one this week. This time, it is the eShop description of the Nintendo Switch game, Pooplers. Pooplers is a local multiplayer game where up to four players take control over babies. 
the game is diversified by power-ups and a mother who refers each toddler to a cot as soon as she sees her child pooping on the floor. <laughs> Staying in a cot reduces the chance of winning in a given round. A humorous game, however, has a number of elements that diversify the gameplay and allow you to create tactics. <laughs> Visit beautiful maps to poop around. House, farm, seabed, or even spaceship. Choose different game modes such as PvP free for all pooping, <laughs> team versus team pooping, oh boy, zombie horde co-op, play as a parent versus pooplers, <laughs> play silly football match as a toddler, play with friends or learn new tactics alone with bots, poop in. can't make this stuff up the thing i like about this one is that it is intentionally goofy and unintentionally goofy at the exact same time and that is a very rare thing right like they're definitely like a little bit of breaking the fourth wall but also at the same time you can tell that they're not fully in on the joke (laughs) i agree i very much agree i don't think this went by too many copy editors (laughs) It feels like somebody just wanted to slip the word poop in a lot of random sentences. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully that's the only time you have to use the words poop and slip in the same sentence this week. (laughs) View beautiful maps to poop around. Again, I'm not saying this game is bad or not. I've never played it, but it certainly does look a little bit poopy. It seems like a good game for me to poop on. (laughs) All right. That does it for this week. As always, you can find us at powerpros.podbean.com, and you can follow us at powerprospod on both Facebook and Twitter. You can follow me, the Hoff, on Twitter at Chris the Hoff, and you can find Pete at Burly Red Yeti. You can email us at powerprospod at gmail.com, and if you like the podcast, it would, of course, be great if you told your friends about us. Thanks for listening, everybody. For myself, Pete Mashad, free for all pooping, and our virtual friend, Megaman.exe. Ooh, that was a tough one. We will see you next time.